Amen. Is that your heart's desire this morning? To worship Him. I don't know about you, but He's deserving of all worship and all honor and all glory and all power. Amen. And let me tell you something. If we can't worship Him in here, what are we going to do when we get to heaven one day? Amen. Because the Bible says that 24 hours, seven days a week, in fact, there will be no time. We're going to be around the throne worshiping Him for who He is and for what He has done. We will always sing a redemption story. Amen. Thanking Him and praising Him. Amen. Lord, we honor you today, Lord, and we worship you. Lord, not just for what you've done, Lord, that's praise. But God, we worship you for who you are, Lord, for you are so good. So honorable, Lord. And God, until we realize, Lord, just how unworthy we are, Lord, we will never realize truly how worthy you are, God. Lord, the fact that you would come down into this earth, Lord, and suffer my sin, Lord, and become the sacrifice, Lord, so that I could go free, Lord, so that I could live with you for all of eternity, Lord. How can I not worship you, Lord? How can I not praise you, Lord? God, you're so worthy, Lord. You are the Son of the living God. You are God Almighty. Lord, you're so good, and we honor you today. Lord, we worship you, God. Lord, no matter what's going on, God, you are worthy of all praise, Lord. We honor you because truly there is no one else like you, Lord. God, even when we feel all alone, Lord, you're right there because your word says that you would never leave us, nor would you forsake us, Lord. You've not never forsaken us, Lord. David said, I've been young and old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, Lord. And we can take great comfort in knowing that today, Lord, that we have not been forsaken. People may come and go. Family may come and go. Friends may come and go, Lord. But you are one who always stays, Lord, and we thank you for it. And we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If you have your Bible, turn with us to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Wonderful service, as we said last Sunday, and um, I so thankful for the comments that have come out, how it has tremendously blessed each and every one. And I told someone at a Bible study that I teach on Fridays um, that uh, the attacks came right after it. Uh, you don't come out of services like that where the Lord just moves and has his way without the enemy attacking and coming after. But God is faithful, amen, and he's still there. And it doesn't matter. Again, I've said it before, and I'm going to keep saying that we're on the winning side, amen. And I'm so, so thankful for him, so thankful for the Lord. Just so thankful that we get to play a part in ministry that he would even allow us um, the privilege and the honor to be able to, number one, serve him, and number two, to preach this glorious gospel and to be able to bring it to you. Uh, we count ourselves as uh, nothing. Man, we just want the Lord to be exalted. It's not about us, as I told individuals. It's not about us and what we do here. It's all about him, amen. It's all about Jesus. So book of Matthew chapter 11. We're reading three verses of scripture this morning, 28, 29, and 30. So if you're there, say amen. Amen. The Bible says, Jesus speaking here, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Let me read that again. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. 
For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to underline three words there that the Lord would have us to do before we get into the message and pay particularly close as I will emphasize these three words and how it plays a part in our walk with the Lord. But the word come, the word take, and the word learn. He has told us to come unto him, to take his yoke, and to learn of him. Amen. I've often heard it said that there are many around the world and in other countries that do not have the privilege and the honor uh, to be able to carry and to own a Bible. We here in the United States, and I believe all of us could say that we have multiple Bibles sitting in our home. But there are those that are around the country, there are those that are around, or rather the world rather, that do not have that privilege, that do not have that tremendous opportunity to be able to carry the Word of God. And I think sometimes we forget it. We forget it that, that, that we've got multiple Bibles, that we've got them sitting in our home. And sad to say that many Christians, especially here in this country, never take the, uh, the opportunity to pick up the Word of God and to see what He's saying to them. Amen. And there are those within the world that are so hungry, that are so desperate uh, for God and for His Word. And I've often heard it also said that there are those, because they do not have the complete Bible, that they have just one page out of the Bible that they carry with them. They have one page that they will read over and over and over again and memorize it because that's all they got. But I'm so glad that even in one page, Jesus can be seen. Amen. He's seen in every scripture and he's seen in every word. So I guess if it was me, if I was one of those ones and there was, and I had to pick which page or which portion of scripture that I would want to carry with me, that I would want to read over and over again, I guess it would be these three verses right here. These three verses right here uh, of him telling us to come to him and, and what we can take from him and to learn of him. And if all we had in, was these three verses, if that's all that we had, that is enough to get us saved. That is enough to keep us in our walk with the Lord. And that is enough to keep us going home with Jesus. That is enough to see spiritual growth taking place in our life. Just three, three verses alone. They're important to me. And they're not just scriptures, and we'll get into it today, that many think that are just apropos to the one that is lost and undone. But these scriptures are just as uh, important to the Christian, to the one that has been covered by the blood of Jesus, to the one that loves him with all of their heart. Amen. And let's be honest that life can be full of stress. In fact, we're living in hard times right now. Amen. And the Bible tells us that these times would come, so it should not be catching us off guard there's always something to do there's always somewhere to go and we're flooded with news and information all around us that can leave us stressed that can leave us worried we're facing trials we're facing tribulations the church the body of Christ as a whole is in the midst of one that I believe that we that are alive have never seen ever before to where literally our rights are being taken away from us and that is exactly what is going on you may disagree with me but it is true if a thousand people can flood Walmart then 50 people should be able to come to the house of God 
And I don't back down from saying that at all. Amen. That's the problem now. We don't have enough people that are speaking up and standing forth. But this is wrong. It's discrimination against the church. But let me tell you, the enemy thinks he's one, but he ain't one. Because the Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, he said, I will raise up a standard. Amen. I will raise up a standard. And that standard is Jesus Christ. Amen. I was talking to an individual this morning that said, never before have they seen people coming back to their knees never before had they seen people crying out to God and guess what he knew that that's what would happen so he took advantage of what the enemy meant for evil and he's turned it around because he's receiving the glory now and he's going to receive the glory in a way like never before because he said in the last days I will pour out my spirit and that spirit is going to bring in a harvest of souls that spirit is going to let us see divine healing that spirit is going to let us see miracles of miracles that spirit is going to let us see the book of Acts come alive. So let me tell you, read the book of Acts and get ready because he's not finished, amen? He's not done. But it's not over and the best is still yet to come, amen? That's not my sermon. <laughs> but it's good. The Lord knows what we need, amen? But despite the stresses, despite the worries, despite what we are facing in life, and let's be honest, when we're journeying with the Lord, we grow weary. We grow tired. And there's not a one of us in here that could look, and if we're being honest, that would say, I'm always happy. I always feel like I'm walking on cloud nine, that everything's always going good. And in the physical, our bodies without rest grows tired. But our spirit man as well can grow tired. And I want to preach to you a message this morning simply titled, I am tired. I am tired. I'm tired. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today in the name of your son, Jesus. Again, Lord, we are honored and privileged, Lord, to be in your house. Lord, and not just that, but to have your presence. God, your presence is what makes the difference. Lord, your spirit is what makes the difference. God, nothing can be done without your spirit. Your word said it's not by might nor by power, but it is by your spirit, Lord. It is your spirit that draws the sinner to you. It is your spirit, Lord God, that heals. It is your spirit, Lord God, that ministers to us in a way like no one else can, Lord. And we are thankful, Lord, that that presence is here, that your spirit is here today, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, and we ask, Lord, that today you would help us to preach, to teach your word, that, God, we believe that you have laid upon our hearts. And, God, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint us, Lord, one more time, Lord, if this should be the last message, Lord, that I would ever preach upon this earth. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you give me the greatest anointing, Lord, that I have ever had before, Lord, to proclaim your anointed word, Lord. Your word is so precious, Lord. Your word, Lord God, there's nothing like your word, God. And we thank you for you, Lord, and I pray that you would anoint us, Lord. And, Lord, let your words become my words, Lord, and help us to rightly divide the word. And, God, not only that you would touch us, but you would touch the people that are here, that you would touch those that are watching my internet, God, and that, Lord, you would anoint their hearts, Lord, to receive your word that is going to go forth today. Lord, I take authority over, over all hindrances, Lord, over all distractions, Lord, whether here or there, Lord, wherever the people may be, God. And, Lord, for this moment, God, for this moment, let us lay aside every worry. Let us lay aside every problem. Let us lay aside what we are going to have to do the rest of the day or tomorrow. And Lord, let us give our attention unto you. 
And Lord, we will forever give you praise. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen and amen. It's probably been six to seven years ago now. And uh, as some of you may not know, but I spent 20 years in the uh, food industry. And it's probably, again, like I said, been six or seven years, and I have worked with a, a, a hundreds, probably not thousands of people in those 20 years, as we all know that they come in and they come out. And so you meet all types of people uh, in, in over the course of 20 years. But there was an individual that I met one time that I had the privilege to work to. And he had the opportunity to go and to meet the president of the United States. He was a part of some kind of group within school, and they were somehow chosen. I'm not sure of the details, but nevertheless, they were presented with this tremendous opportunity. They were presented with an invitation to go and meet the president of the United States, to go to the White House, and undoubtedly, that this is an invitation that very few in the, this life will ever receive. It's not like you get an invitation every day from a letter, hey, I want you to come and meet me today. You know, you, it's, just, it's just an honor to be able to go and to meet and to be in the White House. Amen. So, but this individual had went. He went through the process. He went to meet him, had his picture taken with him, and come back and talked about it. This individual proceeded to leave, and it was three years, I guess, that had passed by that I had not seen him, that I had not talked to him. But after the course of that three years, he started asking questions about the God that I serve. Amen. He started asking questions about the one that he seen me talk about, the one that he seen me sing about, the one on that he seen me worship right up on my job. Yes. Let me tell you, we talked about worship. Worship isn't what we do in here. Worship is our lives. Worship is everything that we do. Praise is what I do for thanking him, but worship is who I am. So when you're on your job, you should your life should be worship unto the Lord. When you're driving down the road, you should be worship unto the Lord. The Bible says everything that you do, do it as you would do it unto the Lord. Amen. And so he came to me and he began to ask these questions. And within a matter of minutes, I began to sense that there was a move of the Holy Spirit taking place within his heart and within his life. I began to sense that there was an inquiry, if you will, of this God that I served and, and of this God that, of, of, that I had spoken about, of this man named Jesus Christ that, I, that he had heard that I served. Amen. And there I was able to answer his questions, and the Lord moved upon me and anointed me right there. It would no greater of an anointing if I would have been up here behind the pulpit. Because the anointing is not just here, amen. It's from Jesus Christ. And I've said it before that the pulpit is mobile. The pulpit doesn't just exist right here. The pulpit goes with everywhere we go. And we that are saved have been called to be preachers of righteousness, have been called to open our mouth and be those witnesses unto this lost and unto this dying world. And there the Lord moved upon me. And within the matter of five, seven, eight minutes, the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ was able to come out of my mouth. And there the Lord spoke to my heart as I seen that there was an aha moment. Oh, what he's talking about is real. And the reason why is not because just of my words that I spoke, but it was a move of the Holy Spirit that was there upon me, but as well upon this individual that was anointing his heart to receive the words that I was speaking to him. And right then and there, I looked at him and I gave him an altar 
call and I said, hey, do you want to come to know about this man that I've told you about? Do you want to know him as Lord and Savior? Do you want to repent of your sins and accept him into your heart and life? And he said, I thought you never would ask. And right there and then, I was able to lead him into the sinner's prayer. And let me tell you something. The presence of God filled that crew room. The presence of God moved upon him, moved upon me. And at the end of saying that prayer, I lie you not, the, 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 the caller came to his face. You could see the joy of the Lord. You could see the peace of the Lord. I said all of that to say this. He received an invitation from Washington, D.C. to see the President of the United States. But the greatest invitation that he ever received and that any of us will ever receive is the invitation to come and see Jesus Christ. You may receive the invitation to see kings and emperors, but let me tell you, there is the king of kings that's inviting you, that's inviting me, that's inviting you that is watching by the way of internet to come and as the woman that was at the water of well and that, that, that had been touched by him and that he spoke to, she said, come and see a man. Come and see a man. That's what I say today. Come and see a man. This man that will change your life. That will change your life. One moment with him. One moment, one second with him can change your whole world. And I'm not just talking about only at salvation, but I'm so thankful that as I walk with him, that just one moment in his presence can change any situation totally around. Amen. So in this passage of scripture, the Lord was addressing the people of Israel who were burdened down. They were weighed down with the legalism of religion. The do's and the don'ts of the Pharisees. And all that they were receiving from this self-righteousness, from this religion that was being spewed out of the mouth of Pharisees, all that they were receiving, which is all you will ever receive, is frustration and guilt. And it is always the end result of religion and always the end result of man's theology. Let me tell you, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. But through him, we could be saved. Amen. But if it was one thing that Jesus hated the most, it was the oppression of the religious leaders of the day that they had placed upon the people. You see, man's ways and ideas will always leave you worse off than you were before. And this is called religion. And let me tell you, all religion, will, all it will do is make the load harder and it will make the individual oppressed with a sense of hopelessness. Let me tell you, that's what the religion of Buddhism will do. That's what the religion of Islam will do. That's what the religion of Catholicism. That's what the religion of anything, you name it. All it will do is leave you feeling burdened. It will leave you feeling oppressed. It will feel you leaving hopeless. But let me tell you, we serve a man, and it's not a religion. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And and one moment with him, he lightens the load. Amen. No other religion can do that. But relationship and coming and having an encounter with Jesus Christ lightens the load. Amen. See, again, religion leaves you weighed down. But Jesus lightens the load. You see, religion will always say do. Let me say that again. Religion will always say do. But faith says it's done. 
Religion will always say, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And let me tell you, it's not just Islam, it's not just Buddhism, it's right here in the good old country of USA that comes in sanctuaries such as this, and they will pout out legalism, they will pout out that you got to do this, and you got to do this, and all of that is works, and let me tell you, it leaves you feeling hopeless and down and out, and you feel, my God, I can't do all of this. But faith in Christ says it is done. Because when he poured out his blood on Calvary's cross and he cried, it is finished. It wasn't the power in the words. He was just simply proclaiming of what was done. Had he not even, even uttered the words, it is finished, it still would have been finished. But he spoke it so that you and I could carry that in our hearts each and every single day. Amen. So he says, come unto me. There he is preaching, there he is teaching, multitudes gathered all around. He makes an indictment upon the Pharisees. He pronounces woes unto them in that time that would not repent, that would not confess him as Messiah, that would not acknowledge him, that he was the son of the living God. And he pronounces judgment upon them. And all of these other people that were feeling burdened down, that were feeling heavy laden by these oppressors, he looks at them. And says, come unto me. I can only imagine that Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, when speaking those words, the power that was behind him. And how it must have penetrated the hearts of those that were there in that day and time that were listening to him to preach and teach. How he looked upon them with eyes of mercy and said, come unto me. I can read it here in his word, and I know how it grips my heart. And I can only imagine those that were standing before him that day, and they heard him say these words, what it must have done to them. But a choice had to be made. They could either come, or they could reject. The invitation is personal, and it is spoken to us as individuals. He didn't say, come unto a church. He didn't say come unto a denomination. He didn't say come unto a system. But what he said is come to the one that is able to give you life and the one that is able to give you rest that we so desperately desire and desperately need in our lives. You see, the world today that doesn't know Jesus Christ is in search of what you and I possess. They are hopeless, and there is an unsettledness that is there. There is no rest for the one who doesn't know Jesus Christ. And there will never be no rest within the heart and within the soul that is not walking with him and that is not talking with him. That is why that I read a report the other day in the midst of all of this that is going on, alcohol sales have went up higher than they've ever been before. That there are those that are engaging in alcohol and in drinking now more than ever before because they're trying to drink their problems away because they're feeling hopeless. There's no rest. They don't know who to turn to. The ones that they're turning to, it sure ain't giving them any kind of an encouragement. All you hear is bad news. But we that are saved, we know who to turn to. We've got a blessed hope. We've got rest in Christ Jesus. So man will always place a series of works and ideas upon another man in order to receive from the Lord while the Lord simply just says, come. He doesn't say you've got to clean yourself up. He doesn't say you've got to get your act together. Lord didn't say that to these people. What he said, just come unto me. Come with everything that you've got 
Because I am your solution. I am your remedy. I don't want you to try to fix it. I don't want you to try to do anything. I just simply want you to come unto me. John 6.37 says, All who the Father gives me shall come to me. And him who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Let me tell you what a promise that any that will come to him, I will in no wise cast out. What does that say? It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how far you've went down. If you will just come to him, he said, I will in no wise cast out. Let me tell you something. We were in a prayer meeting one time, Stacy and I and the other church that we were at where we actually met. And we were there in a prayer meeting. It was her, it was I, another dear sister. And we had been about 15 minutes into praying. And all of a sudden, I had seen, a ma- I heard a man's voice. And instantly I arose up because I didn't recognize it. And this individual was hovering over Stacy. And she was looking up to him. And of course, I jumped up. We were dating at the time. Hey, what's going on? And he looked at me and he was broken, hopeless. Tears running down his face. And this individual happened to be outside. Let me talk, talking about a divine appointment. Happened to be outside playing basketball at the time that we pulled up at our vehicles to go in and to pray. And God dealt with him out there and drew him in there. And he began, and I said, what's going on? And there he's broken, tears pouring out. And he began to go on to tell me of the life that he had lived, even on down. And I said, brother, let me tell you, there is nothing that God will not forgive you of. And he looked at me and he said, even if I've committed murder. And I said, even if you have committed murder. Because either he cleanses from all sin and all unrighteousness, or he doesn't cleanse from one at all. Many people will look at him and cast him out. But Jesus said, anybody that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. I'm not going to throw them out. The world throws you out. Jesus says, come on to me. And I looked at him and I gave him the gospel. And I said, are you ready to give your heart to the Lord? And there, right there, he knelt down, fell down to his knees. And he said, yes, to Jesus Christ. And he walked out of that church, and I watched him tote a Bible. And my eyes poured out, and I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You saved another one. No telling what he would have done. No telling you could sense the oppression. He could have easily went out and began to drown his sorrows or quite possibly taken his life. But thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit moved upon him, directed him in there. He didn't know what was going on. And praise be to God, I had the privilege and the honor to tell him about this man who says, I will in no wise cast out if you will just come to me. I'm so thankful that he said all. When he said all, he meant all. That means the white man, that means the black man, that means the brown man, that means the red man, and that many that try to oppose another person of race based upon the skin of their color. Let me tell you, if that is within the heart of individuals, we better get rid of that because you're not going to get into heaven with hatred and bitterness and all of that stuff within inside of us. We are all created by God. He loves us all. And when he said all, he meant all. The rich, the poor. The tall, the short, it don't matter. He wants all to come to him. Coming to him represents believing on him and signifies our need of help and exhibiting confidence and faith 
that he can aid us. See, that's what happens when you come to him. There's faith there that says, I know that this man can help me. I may not know everything about him, but I've heard enough to know that he can help me if I'll just come to him. When one comes to him, they can be assured again that they will not be rejected. The woman that touched him with the issue of blood wasn't rejected. Jairus that come to him and worship him and said, my daughter is dying. He didn't reject. The man that was full of leprosy said, if you can, if you will, you can heal me of this. And what was Jesus' reply? I will. He's saying the same thing today. He will not only save us, he will do what it is that we need him to do. Why? Because he's paid for it all. God desires to bless his children. And I think that we forget that sometimes. Yes, God wants us all, and the most important thing is for us to receive salvation. But God desires to move in the heart of his children. God desires to bless us. It's been paid for. But if we don't go through the proper channel, we're never going to receive what it is that we need. Amen? So again, there's never been an individual that he's turned around. You see, understand the world is pretty much on shutdown right now. You go by the restaurants, you go by banks, you go by doctor's offices, you go by schools. And I see yesterday as we were out and about, closed due to COVID-19, shut down, temporarily closed. Don't know when we're going to open back up. But let me tell you, Jesus has never shut down. You can go to the throne of grace 24 hours, seven days a week. There ain't nothing that can stop that throne room, amen? And I'm so glad that it's not a throne room of condemnation. It's not a throne room of judgment, but it's a throne room of grace that he says, if you'll come to me, that's what you're going to receive. You're going to receive mercy, and you're going to receive the help that you need because he's still a very present help in time of trouble. So why was Jesus telling them to come to him? Why has he commissioned us to come to him? To not only receive salvation, but also to receive everything that we need. Well, you got to go back up one verse to verse 27. Jesus said, all things are delivered unto me of my father. And no man knows the son but the father. Neither knows any man the father save the son. And he to whomsoever the son will reveal him. That's why he said come to me because all things have been delivered unto him. God never delivers things unto sinner people. Unto these people that we want to run to. Unto programs. He delivered everything to Jesus. Everything was delivered unto him. It wasn't divided up. It was unto him. So that's why he could say come unto me. Because what you need only I can provide for you. See, that's what's wrong, and that's what's so bad uh, when are pointing those within the church to psychology, to fads, to programs, to recovery things. And I know that a lot of people don't like it because the church is doing it, so it should be good. But when we're pointing them to all of this other stuff, they're not going to receive any help. The help that they need only comes from one man, and his name is Jesus. So to not point them to Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross for them and help them to understand that everything that they need was provided for already, we are doing them an injustice. In fact, we're, not, we're definitely not helping them, but what we're doing is harming them. 
We're harming them when we fail to point them to Jesus. So this doctrine is clearly taught all throughout the New Testament. That by him and through him are all things made and given. Second Peter lets us know this. That, that God has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Everything that you need pertaining to what? Life. Meaning everyday life and godliness. He's already given it to us through his son Jesus. See what you need from the Lord comes one way and one way only. And that is through the sacrifice of Christ. So it doesn't matter if it's salvation. It doesn't matter if it's healing. It doesn't matter if it's deliverance. It doesn't matter if it's victory. It doesn't matter if it's joy. It doesn't matter if it's peace. If it's rest. The gifts of the Spirit. Everything that you need. Everything that you need and desire. He is the one that can give it to you. So again, why are we trying to receive from God by another source when the source for all of our needs is found in Christ and his finished work? But the biggest misconception of this scripture is that we associate it with just those that are sinners. I have heard this message preached a million times as far as a salvation message, and it is absolutely right. It is towards the sinner. Come unto me and I will give you rest. But this scripture here is not only to the center. And in fact, if we view it as that, we are shortchanging ourselves. We're shortchanging ourselves as believers because this passage of Scripture is really throughout the whole thing that we've got to come unto Him. And as Christians, we go through life and we encounter obstacles and problems day in and day out. And I can tell you that without a continual coming to him without us continually meaning never ending but continuously coming to him each and every single day and with all problems a continual submission to the person of Christ for all of our needs we are going to get pulled down real quick see that's why many's not serving the Lord today because there was that initial salvation experience they given their heart to Jesus Christ they love him with all that is within him but because they were trying to do it all themselves they were trying to handle life themselves they were trying to live for God by the means of self they wore down and you will wear down real quick and unless there is a turn about back to him to receive what it is that you need you will be like many individuals who have quit on the Lord let me tell you something. It doesn't matter the failure. It doesn't matter what happens in life. If you don't quit, God won't quit. That's called hope. If you don't quit, God won't quit on you. Too many of us want to be as that transition from child to adulthood where we're independent when it comes to our walk with the Lord. As a child, you are dependent upon your parents. My son is dependent upon us for everything. And as they begin to develop these children and stuff, then they become a little less dependent upon them. Right now, he's walking. He don't need daddy or mom or anybody else to carry him right now. He says, let's me down. I'm ready to go. So that dependency, little by little, leaves. Our walk with the Lord, it should be total opposite. In fact, we want to be, do this and be independent and prove to God, thinking that we are somehow pleasing him if we'll take this load upon ourselves and if we'll do this walk and live this life that he's called us to live. 
And that's contrary to what God wants. What he desires us to be is just like a newborn baby dependent 100% upon him for everything. And when we fail to look to him and be dependent upon him, even though he has given us talents and even though he has given us gifts, we better not fail to realize that it is him that is doing this. Because as I said last Sunday, apart from him, you can't do nothing. And let me tell you something. He's got a way of getting our attention. And in fact, if he loves us so much that through chastisement, if we fail to see that, he will allow obstacles and things to come in our life to let us realize, hey, I love you too much to see you continue to go this way. So I'm going to have to chastise you a little bit so that you will come back to me, so that you will be dependent upon me. I don't want you to be independent because when you begin to be independent, then that means you don't no longer need me. And we've got to have him. We can't make it without him. So he said, come unto me, all you that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So what does this mean to be labor? What does it mean to be heavy laden? And it simply means to be overburdened with ceremonies of religion, but as well can mean spiritual anxiety. It's easy to carry the burdens of life and the cares of life upon our shoulders because, again, we think that we possess the power and the ability to be able to handle them, to be able to fix them. We think that we are Mr. and Mrs. Fix-It and that we could come up with these ideas. Listen, I'm preaching to myself because this week has been a hard week that people have no idea about. I was trying to fix things, and we automatically revert back to that because that's the nature of self, to try to fix problems, to try to fix other people. And when I finally had my breaking point that God thanks me to God, let me have, I simply heard the words, come unto me, and I will give you the rest that you are looking for. Because without a continual coming to him, there will be an absence of rest and we need rest. He's called us to rest. He hasn't called us to be laborious. He hasn't called us to bear the burdens of life. But he's called us to rest in him. So this is where we, the Christians, make the mistake. Because we can't handle it. We can't fix it. And instead of coming to him and laying it at his feet and taking up the rest he has provided for us, what we do is we burden ourselves down. We weigh ourselves down and we rob ourselves of the abundant life that Christ has died to give. An individual called me this week. Problems like you would not believe. And the very words that they spoke was, I am tired. I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. But I said, you're in the best place that you can be. Because when we get to that place of being tired, tired of all that's going on, then he is able to be seen like never before. I was able to view the Lord and see him in a way because when you're trying to do this on your own, you can't see him the way he wants you to see him. Because when you're doing it, you, see, you acknowledge that he's there and will say, Lord, bless my plans. Lord, help me do, help me to help myself. But when we get to that place of being tired and we're done and we surrender it all, then we can see him the way he wants us to see him. See, vision, our vision of him can become obscured, can become cloudy. Because, again, we can't get self out of the way to properly see him the way he desires for us to see him. 
First Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. He cares for you like no other man will. He cares for you greater than your mom. My mom loves me to death and I know cares about me. My wife cares about me. But he cares about me in a way like nobody else cares about me. To cast all your cares upon him literally means to throw it on him. That literally means to just unload. You know, we don't like it in this life when, you know, we got those individuals that will call us. And, buddy, they will unload every problem that they got. And I can get off the phone sometimes and I go, dear Lord, if I wasn't down before, I'm down now. <laughs> but that's life. I've done the same thing to other people. We've all been in that situation. And I don't have a problem. Don't mistake me. Feel free to call me in a load. But I'm going to point you to Jesus. Amen. I'll pray for you. But I can't fix the problem. But I can point you to the one who can. Amen. So we're to throw it on him. Literally cast it down at his feet. Because one, he shed his blood that conquered the problem that you're facing. And number two, he's already handled it. And that's what we've got to realize. He's already handled your problem, trial, the mountain that you're facing. He's already took care of it at Calvary. We realize that he shed his blood. But do we really realize that he's already handled it. So when you bring a problem to him, you're not coming to him and he's not looking to you and saying, okay, I'm going to get to working on it and see if I can handle this. No, no. He's saying, I've already handled it. He spoiled the powers of darkness, the principalities at Calvary. The book of Colossians tells us it's already done. So why are we going anywhere else but to the one? Listen, you could go somewhere else and hope that man can get it done or you can either take go to the one who says I've already done it I don't know about you but I have a whole lot more security in the one who's already handled it versus the one who don't know if he can and you'll find out they can't handle it they can't fix it only Jesus can because Jesus already has Again, you'll never find another person that says, give me all your problems, all your worries, all your cares, all your doubts. Just heap them on me. You'll never find a person that will say that to you except Jesus Christ. He said, all you have to do is come to me. Come to the one who can handle every problem. The one that is there for you, that has never forsaken you. You see, he sees the problem already. And what he's waiting on you to do, what he's waiting on I, me to do, is just simply give it to him. See, he's already seen the problem you're going through. He, in fact, he knew it before you ever even come to it. So what he's waiting on is for you to come and give it to him. But what we do, I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to carry it with me. I'm going to see if I can fix this problem. And then it just grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And on our walk with the Lord, we become so burdened down that we find ourselves not even able to walk this life and enjoy the abundance that he has given us. And then finally, until we turn it over to him, it's just like, whew, if you ever carried anything that's heavy, and when you finally get from point A to point B, and you begin to, you let it drop, it's like, whew, thanks be to God, that's done. And that's the way that it is when we hand it over to him. But where he desires for us to get to is not that carrying it to where it gets so big and then dropping it at his feet. But as soon as the problem arises, hand it right on over to him. You see, that's called spiritual growth. That's called maturity in the Lord. 
He don't want us to carry it, then drop it. He wants us, as soon as the problem comes, turn it right on over to him. Because the moment that you don't, you start robbing yourself of that abundant life that he's died to give. But to enjoy it, just keep, as soon as they come, Lord, I give it to you. Lord, I give it to you. Lord, I'm heaping this on you. Here's another problem, Lord. He said, that's right, just keep coming to me. Just keep coming to me and enjoying the rest that I have died to give you. You see, rest means refreshing case, uh, an ease of mind, of relief and freedom. And when you come to him with, with whatever it is, he in return gives you something back, and that something back is rest. But the rest will only come through and by surrendering to the Lord. It only comes one way. Psalms 37, 5 says, commit your way unto the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. You say, you've got to get out of the way so that he can now have his way. you got to get out. Surrender to the Lord. Lord, too big for me. Surrender it all over to him so that he can begin to do what only he can do. Amen? So the idea is rolling a heavy burden from ourselves on to another. So the invitation of coming to him is not a one-time event like many Christians believe. But that coming to him is continual, continually coming to him. The rest that he provides that we enjoy each and every single day, we acknowledge it is because of Calvary. And when we look to the person of Christ and the object of our faith then will quickly become the cross, meaning that the activity of what he has done there. When we look to him, automatically we look to Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, then the Holy Spirit's going to point you back to the activity of what he did, which is Calvary, and that's where your rest comes from. That's where your help comes from through what he did 2,000 years ago. You see, you and I can now have victory today over whatever it is that we're facing, whether it's guilt that many suffer from, whether it's shame whether it's past miseries, whether it's sorrow, whether it's grief, whether it's anger, fear, resentment, bitterness, the list goes on and on and on. Whatever it is, whatever bondage it, it may be, if we will simply come to him, the one who has already handled it all, then we can receive the freedom and the rest that we so desperately crave, that we so desperately desire, and that we so desperately need. Luke 9, 23 said it. He said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That one word, deny himself, that phrase is missed so much when you ask people about this verse. They'll look right at you and say, yeah, we've got to take up the cross and then follow him. No, he said before you could even take up the cross, you've got to first deny yourself. And that taking up the cross doesn't mean, like many people think, no, no, that's not what he means. He means deny yourself that you can't do it, take up the benefits, take up what I have already done for you, and now follow me. Because I've already handled it all, so you don't have to be burdened down, you don't have to be heavy laden, but we got to get to that place where we say, Lord, I can't, you can help me. Because when you say, I can't, that means surrendering. When you say, you can, that means faith. And when you say, help, that means you've got the help of the Holy Spirit coming in because you have denied yourself and you have taken up what he did for you at Calvary. That's why we say that. I can't, Lord. You can help me. 
But you'll never get the help that you need until you first say, I can't. And when you surrender, then you're going to be pointed to him, which is where you'll realize that he can. And then you can receive the help of the Holy Spirit that you need. He said to take, I told you to underline that word, take my yoke upon you. What in the world does this take yoke mean? You see, in that day, a yoke is a bar or frame by which two animals are joined together at the head or the neck working together. You see, in that day, there were no John Deere tractors running around doing all the work for us. But they would have two bulls, if you will, or, or two cattle or whatever like that, joined together, bearing that yoke, bearing the bar, two oxen, if you will, and getting the work that needs to be done. And they would be yoked together for the purpose, the purpose of pulling the load. And many times the load would get so heavy, many times the load would, that, that would cause the animals all of their strength by pulling it, that the yoke would rub against their shoulder, which produced sores. See, when we try to carry the yoke, there's a lot of Christians walking around with swords. Because they're exerting all their strength because they're trying to do it all. He says, take my yoke upon you because it's easy. The other is hard. Taking the Greek means to deliberately lift or to deliberately take up. He said, come to me, get in my harness so I can help you pull the plow. Because when you are teamed up with him, you're going in the direction and doing his will. You don't have to do any work because he is pulling all the load for you. You see, his load has become easy. Why? Because it's been tailor-made to fit your needs. The cross handled it all. All of your needs, he handled it all. I can remember when I was growing up, we went to a place called Lake Myers. I'm not sure if anybody remembers that. And they had what's called paddle boats. And the only way you were going to get to move it is if you did it yourself. And so me and my mom was in a paddle boat together, and of course there was pedals on each side. And so therefore you had to both pedal in order to, you know, get any kind of speed because them things just sure ain't budging. I hated it with everything within me. I was like, where is the motor? Pull the string and let's get going. And it didn't exist. So we were paddling and both of us doing the work equal there like that made it a whole lot easier. But then all of a sudden I found myself just going through the motion. I'm going to take a rest. And my feet were still going through the motion, but I wasn't doing any of the strength. And all of a sudden she said, Wayne, you better push. You better pedal because all the work was being put on her. She was exerting all of her strength because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. I said all that to say this, and with him in the boat like that, you don't have to worry about pedaling. Sit back and enjoy the ride because he's already done it. He'll do all the work. So again, when you're linked up with Christ, you don't have to do any of it because he's already done it for you. He's your companion, and all you have to do is to accept his will. So we get so determined to try and do the work that needs to be done and to plow through whatever it is on our own, and he's simply saying, stop and let me do the work. You don't have to do it anymore. I've come alongside of you. I'm linked up with you. I just need you to bear what I've already done for you and let me now handle all of your problems. So after coming to him, we take the yoke of the finished work of Calvary upon us, and now we are in the position to learn. You see, you can never take his yoke before first coming. 
So when you come to him, and as soon as you come to him, you're going to be then instructed to take upon his yoke. You're going to be instructed to take upon what he has done. And then when you have taken up upon you the benefits of Calvary, and your faith is anchored in what it needs to be in, which is the finished work of Calvary, now you can learn of him. You won't learn of him the way he wants to teach you and the way you need to learn until you first take upon his yoke, until you first get your faith anchored in Christ and what he has done for you at Calvary. You see, there, the learning of him should be continual. And to experience continual rest, there must be a continual coming and a continual submission to Christ. You see, there is no limit to learning about him. And he desires nothing more but to show you, to, to help you to see Christ in a greater light than ever before. And your understanding of the finished work will have all to do with your maturity or lack thereof. See, that's what I was talking about before. He desires for us to spiritually grow. But your maturity in Christ will only come by where your faith is anchored and placed. Because if it's not anchored in Christ, and you're not resting in what he's done, you're never going to spiritually develop the way he desires for you to develop. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, we know this. It says, wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside the sin which so easily besets us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You that are here, you remember those that you are watching. I preached that message, help us to run the race, and I come in here with all these weights. You'll never run with weights upon you. You'll start, you'll go down to walking, and as you don't hand it over to the Lord, the weights are going to get heavier, and then you'll find yourself not even able to walk. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me tell you something. There's no better teacher than the author. Nobody could tell you about a book that you would read a nonfiction book and experience better than the one who wrote the book. I can read the book and tell you about it, but I cannot tell you about it into the degree and the nature that that person who authored it can. So there's no greater teacher than the author. So what he requires from us is very little. And again, it's constant faith in Christ and what he's done. You see, we go through life and we do life and we get so burdened down all we have to do is easily just turn to him and say, Lord, I can't do it. Have you ever heard the phrase before? People say, I just need a vacation. I just need to get away from it all. I'm so tired, and I know we're talking about physical strength. I got one with the hand up back there, and I guess nobody else needs a vacation. I surely do. Because we're working all the time, we're doing this, and I just need to get away from it all. Just clear my mind, get away from seeing the same old thing that I see, and that will help me. But guess what happens with every vacation? There's an end. And then you got to come back to what we call reality. And the problems that we think we can try to escape from, the problems that we think that we can get away from, they're right there when you come back. Can I tell you something today? That if you'll rest in Christ, you can have a never-ending vacation. Let me say that again. Resting in Christ and what he has done can cause you, my God, to experience a never-ending vacation. 
where you are experiencing rest from all of the problems of life, from all of the trouble, no matter what. You're on that beach. If you like to go to the beach, listening to the waves, seeing the birds crackling around, always, and that's abundant life. A continual vacation, resting in what he has done. But guess what? The moment that we quit resting and the reason why we don't rest is because we're not coming to him, then you have uh, uh, hurt yourself, hindered yourself from that, again, that never-ending vacation that he desires to give. Christ didn't promise that he would take every difficult assignment away from you. He never promised that you wouldn't face a problem, but what he did promise is that if you would come to him, he will give you the rest that you need. And if we'll continue to come to him, he says, you will have rest. You shall find it. You shall find rest into your souls. That's what you're going to find when you come to Jesus and you take upon his yoke and you learn of him. Rest into your soul. Jordan, if you'll come back and play. The cross of our Lord and Savior alone can bring the rest that you and I desire today and whatever it is that we may be facing. You see, what the Lord is calling us to do today, what he's calling the entirety of the church to do today, is to turn away from everything that we think we know. Turn away from it all and come to him. Take upon his yoke. Learn of him. And the only way we're going to ever do these things is by looking to Christ, the person of Christ, and what he's done. Whatever we're presently depending upon, whether it, and it will always be self, or whatever it else it is, if it ain't Jesus, we're depending upon self. He's saying, lay it down today. I'm talking to believers here. Christians that love the Lord, that have received his glory and his grace. He's saying, lay it all down. Give it to me. Come to me. And I'll give you that rest that you need because you're tired. We grow so tired in this walk with Christ. We grow so tired. But the reason why we do is because we're trying to bear the burden. When he says, I want you to have abundant life, that never ending a vacation of rest. Stand to your feet all around here. The altar call is simple today, not only to those that are here and to you that are watching by the way of internet. The call is simple. First and foremost, if you need salvation, he's saying, come to me. You don't have to walk around hopeless. You don't have to walk around feeling down and out anymore. You can come to him and receive the rest that you need that he desires to give. So whether it's forgiveness, whether you're cast down or oppressed, the answer's still the same. Come. So are you laden? And I'm going to ask you a question, and I don't need a show of hands. And you that are watching by internet, you know, and we need to be honest with ourselves. Because I had to come to the truth of it this week. Yes, your pastor, the one standing behind this pulpit. I was heavy laden. Burning down. And it didn't go away until I came to him and laid it down at his feet. It took up the rest that he's died to give. So whether you're laden with weariness, disappointments, despair, or discouragement, come. Are you laden with sin, guilt, or remorse? Come. Are you laden with oppression, care, anxiety, or depression? Come. He's saying, if you'll come, I will give you the rest that you need. Again, the altar call simple. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. 
I know that I'm not the only one that's going through things in here. Talk to many of you. And I know you're all going through things. He's quickening your heart and he's saying, come to me and let me give you the rest. Those that are watching by the wind or way of internet, he's saying the same thing to you. Come to me. So as he plays here for a moment, I want to open up these altars to those that are here, absolutely. And to those of you that are watching, listen, the altar is simply right there where you're at, kneeling down before him and taking up the rest that he has for you. So as he plays, I want you to respond to the drawing of the Holy Spirit right now. here today or whether you're watching by the way of internet don't leave the same way that you walked in here don't leave from off this live stream the same way that you were when you come on he desires to take the load he desires and it's drawing for you to come to him and I know that it's hard because if I come to him, I've got to surrender it all. I've got to lay it all down at his feet. I've got to simply lose control of it and let him do what only he can do. And I'm not quite sure of what he's going to do. And I don't know that if I can truly trust him. But can I tell you that you can trust him today? If you could trust him with your soul for all of eternity, you can trust him with whatever it is that you're going through. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today. We thank you for your word that has went forth, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, that this call to come to you, Lord, is not a one-time call, Lord, but God, you beckon and quicken our hearts to come to you continually. So thankful, Lord, that I can come to you every day, Lord, every hour of every minute, God. And Lord, I find myself, Lord, God, simply desiring to lay at your feet, Lord. But God, that's where you want us to be, Lord. Just as Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Lord, we've got so busy doing life. We've got so busy being like Martha, going around doing everything. But the most important thing, and that is sitting at your feet. God, I pray, Lord, that we as the body, Lord, would come to you, Lord, and receive the rest that you have for us, Lord, and to stay in that rest, Father. God, I pray, Lord, that you touch your people, Lord, in every need that is there, Lord, and you only know what they are, God. But, Lord, that is all that matters. I don't need to know it, God. You alone need to know it. Lord, I pray you meet these needs, that, Lord, you deliver, heal, set free, Father, save, and move, Lord God, in the way that only you can, Father. Lord, I honor you and I praise you, and I thank you for what you've done this day, Lord. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen we thank you again for being here we thank you for those that have tuned in with us to this morning or for those of you that will tune in i pray and i believe that this word that something's been said today that has richly blessed you and touched you leave us a comment let us know how you're enjoying the services we love to hear from you we're hearing from new people all the time and again we give the lord all the praise and glory for it all be back with us tonight